Welcome to Leveling the Playing Field, a podcast featuring women who work in sports. My name is Bobby Sudoyle Hazard. I will be your host today and every week. Uh, This week, I have Morgan Skillman. And Morgan's interesting. She has a very non-traditional position right now. um, And that is she has been the 2018 NHL All-Star Location Coordinator. So basically, she got all the people to do all the things for the NHL All-Star Games, which are coming um, to Tampa this week. Um, Prior to that, she was with the 2017 World Rowing Championships, where she basically did the same thing, um, was staffing manager. And she moves on from the NHL All-Stars to go to the Super Bowl to basically do the same thing there. So she's got a really interesting background. Um, We talk a lot about finding the right people to do the jobs that you need them to do, and also what she is looking for next. A couple of quick notes. If you have not yet applied to the Winning Edge Leadership Academy's June retreat in South Florida, which I will be making an appearance at, uh, please make sure you go to winningedgeleadership.org. The applications are open until February 1st, and they are for current and former student athletes who would like to work in sports. Um, they will have a bunch of mentors that are staying at the same location as the students. And it's a really great intensive program to help you move forward with your career. I'll be at one of the dinners, Maria Taylor from ESPN's college game day and future, um, guest of mine will be there. Um, and then just as always, thank you all for following along on all of our social media, um, we've been trying to add a little bit more to it and I hope it's going well and I'll just leave you with the rest of, uh, the interview with Morgan. With me this week is Morgan Skillman. Morgan is the all-star location coordinator for this year's NHL all-star weekend here in Tampa, Florida. Previously, she was the volunteer and staffing manager for the World Rowing Championships in 2017, which was down in Sarasota. Um, she has varied experience with event management and with um, coaching uh, education. Um, she was with the Florida Youth Soccer Association as well. And she is a graduate of Liberty, where she received not only her Bachelor of Science in Sport Management, but also a Master's in Sports Admin. So, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm happy to have you in my apartment with Jerry. Hi, Jerry. Jerry Jerry waved to everybody. (laughs) We're keeping that in. Um, (laughs) Just as much part of this as I am. Yeah. I am so happy that we met uh, a few weeks, well, now, a month or two ago, it seems like, but yes. um, it's very cool to have you in the area. What, um, what made you fall in love with sports? I grew up in a family that was very active, so um, I like to call it stuff doing. We were stuff doers, so we played a lot of sports. We did the music thing. We were in theater and we just like to do things. So I was always involved in sports, started playing softball, 
um, fell in love with soccer, actually, mm. and played soccer my entire life. I've always loved, loved playing sports. Um, and then when I got to college, I, I was trying to figure out what, what am I going to do? You know, a lot of people, they, they aren't sure. And that's okay. You're in high school. You're still trying to figure out what you want to do, where you want to go. Sure. Um, I went to college and started rowing. I was on the crew team there. And I went to my first sport management class and I, I just knew, I knew this is what I wanted to do. And I, I love sports because it brings people together. You know, it, uh, there's a team component and that's something that I absolutely love. Um, being a team with a bunch of people, you bond, you're accomplishing a goal. Um, sports brings people from around the world together. And I just love that, that thrill and that excitement of, sports in general. Yeah. How did you decide on Liberty? You know, I was convinced I was going to stay in California because I am from Sacramento, California. And originally I was like, you know, I'm staying in California. California's great. <laughs> uh, a, <laughs> a family friend of ours who was a pastor at the church we went to, he became a professor at Liberty. And when I was in high school, he reached out, he said, come visit me. And I was like, no way I'm moving to Virginia. That's way too cold for me. <laughs> no, I'm a California girl. So I, I went and visited and I loved it. I visited the campus and I don't, have you ever been to? No. Okay. <clears throat> so Liberty is in Lynchburg, Virginia. It is stunning there. Beautiful campus. Um, the professors are awesome. There's a lot of opportunity there. So I went my first visit and I knew, I knew immediately like, okay, I'm coming here. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. um, Liberty is a Catholic school. It's a Christian university. Christian university. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. The only, I had never heard of Liberty mm -hmm. before they hired Ian McCaw. Yeah. Yeah. Ian no, McCaw. you're really mm -hmm. excited by that. I am not yeah. excited by that. Um, it was, yeah, <laughs> I didn't see it coming, <laughs> but I, so he was the athletic director at UMass for a year mm -hmm. um, when I was there. And then he ditched everyone um, to go to Baylor. Mm -hmm. And then we all know what happened at Baylor. And yes. so I, I have not the best thoughts of that man right. at this point in life. But that was an interesting situation, definitely, uh, for everyone at Liberty. Mixed feelings. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and it came out of nowhere. So, right. and, you know, Jeff uh, Barber, the AD before Ian. He, I have only the best things to say about him. He really was an awesome leader. Um, I remember the first time I ever worked my, my first event, my first athletic event, Jeff, he uh, came by. My first job was standing at a gate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Morgan, stand at that gate. Make sure no one goes through it. I was like, yeah. And I, um, it was so cold. I sorely underestimated the weather. Game? It was for a football game. <laughs> yeah. And he came by. I knew who he was. He didn't know who I was. He came by and he was like, hi, what's your name? I was like, I'm Morgan. And he said, I'm Jeff. How are you doing? So we're talking a little bit. And then he goes, you look cold. <laughs> and I was like, I am cold. And he's, you know, six something. He's tall. I'm five three. And so he goes, Here's my jacket. He gave me his pea coat. So I'm wearing this Aww. humongous pea coat that goes down to my feet. And he's like, just <laughs> put it in the back of my car when you're done. And that was my first impression of Jeff. Um, 
And every time after that, I worked a game. He remembered my name. He came and said hello. He really appreciated his people. I love Jeff. Um, so it was um, an honor to have worked when he was there. And then um, Ian came after I left. And that was a little bit of transition for everyone. But everyone's doing well there. That's good. Mm-hmm. What, um, what were you doing with the athletic department when you started volunteering that watching the gate? Oh, man. Uh, you know, my first two duties, I was a ball girl for the soccer games. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yes. Loved it. I uh, stood there and ran after balls and then brought it back and then also standing at gates. And that was my first taste of it. But you know what? I loved it. Yeah. It's, it's those little things. I was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. And uh, I had the best time working those things. And then I did more of that. And then I got a little more responsibility. Okay, now we're going to move barricades and we're going to put cones out and we're going to wash <laughs> this parking lot. And, you know, a lot of people would complain about those things. And sometimes they aren't the most fun activities, but I, I just loved it. And that's, you know, how I knew I really wanted to work in sports. So I did that under uh, the leadership of someone named Matt Staten, who is incredible. Uh, he works at Liberty. He's in charge of all the athletic event ops there. And he gave me more responsibility progressively mm-hmm. uh, the more time I was there and uh, game ops responsibilities. And he eventually uh, asked me to be his graduate assistant of event management there. So at first I was, you know, standing in parking lots and um, standing at gates and moving barricades and running after balls and I loved escorting the officials to their locker rooms. That was really fun for me. (laughs) (laughs) I loved that. I became good friends with them. It was great. It's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) So those were some of my first responsibilities as like a volunteer there. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when you were a grad assistant, Mm -hmm. what was it that you were doing? So our uh, department was very small. It started off with just Matt Staten and I. We did all game ops and event management for every sport, every game. Um, and that was a lot. That was probably about 130 events a year plus, wow. plus office time. So that was everything from coordinating with the director of operations for each team. Um, I handled everything with the visiting teams. So their coaching staff, their D ops, um, all the officials. The game contracts, I handled all the game contracts um, and all of the physical setup for the locker rooms, um, the setup for the actual venue itself. Um, I handled all of the staffing for all of our volunteers, all of our interns. We also had a program where the sport management students and undergrad, they would uh have to work a certain number of hours for me. So I huh. coordinated everyone that worked the different events. So a lot of coordination with the people, um, the visiting teams, the setup of the actual venue itself. And that's pretty much what I did um, while I was there as well as go to grad school for full time. That is very similar to what you do now mm-hmm. with coordinating all of the volunteers and the staff to work for the all-star weekend. 
um, and what you did with World Rowing, correct? Correct. So you're like a people mover. Yes, I am a people mover. And, you know, that's how it's really interesting. It's not um, like the typical event management kind of people ops experience. I think it's kind of specialized in a way. Um, So people are like, okay, well, what do you do? And I, I like to say, well, it's like in one of those movies where you see like the the captains and he has like his wooden map with the ships yeah, and he moves it around with like a stick. Like that's a lot of what I have done <laughs> is, you know, I have to work with all the details, but for world rowing assessment for every department. So, okay. Ticketing, what are they trying to accomplish? Who do they need to do it? How long do they need to do it for? And then mm-hmm. I created all the shifts all the jobs, all the job descriptions, everything like that. So it's all the details of how is this going to work and who's it going to work with. And then during the event, I sit and kind of big picture watch everything happen. Okay, is this working? Do I need to move people around? How many people do I need to add? How many people can I take? Putting out fires, that kind of thing. So I absolutely love it. And I was very fortunate at Liberty to have the opportunity to work with all of the different sports sure um that was invaluable for me just because i got to see how everything worked i got to see how everything um uh, functioned and what went wrong what went right how many people can we use to make this happen bare minimum how many people do we need what's the ideal situation and so all of those different scenarios and um all of the different personal conflicts in between people and fans and staff. And it's all a part of it and mm-hmm. um, working with the different people and different personalities. It's important to know all right. of those things. Yeah. I can imagine that there were quite a few personalities involved. Yes. Well, and I know that world rowing in particular, you were like straddling multiple districts or something counties or something. So Mm -hmm. you had a lot of different, even political people involved. That was a fascinating experience. Um, I, so I worked for the 2017 world rowing championships and under the fearless leadership of Meredith Skirba, who uh, was incredible and very encouraging, very thankful for her we were able to pull this incredible event off. And so we had um, 1,907 volunteers. <laughs> um, I was in charge of recruiting all of them, uh, creating all of their shifts, created the program, training them, overseeing everyone. It was quite a task. Um, we had two different counties, Sarasota and Manatee, that were in on the bid itself. So we had Meredith directly reported to them, but we had both counties that were involved in everything and and how we functioned and how we planned. And that was so interesting um, because I hadn't had that type of experience before. Sure. uh, Having, you know, different rules and all the red tape and things we can do, things we can't do and who wants to be involved in what and who do we give to who And it was uh, challenging in all the right ways for me. I learned a lot, um, you know, experiencing all the political things and dealing with all the people and 
Uh, it was great, though. Manatee and Sarasota County, they both came out and uh, did an incredible job. And we had a ton of volunteers from both counties. And we actually had a lot of volunteers um, from around the world as well that came. So, oh, that's interesting. Yes. Rowing is huge in Europe. Hmm. Um, and it was, so they have, they basically have like rowing groupies. And they, (laughs) so serious, and they love rowing. So I remember they reached out to me and they were so excited. And these people travel all around the world to work the World Rowing Championships. Wherever it is, they go, they volunteer their times. I had people from Egypt. I had people from Germany, the UK, Spain, Italy, um, Croatia. And it was so fun. So fun because they all had different knowledge. And, um, there were two ladies that were incredible in our media center. They literally go around and they work in the media centers for all the regattas. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. So they were invaluable to me because I was like, you already know what you're doing. (laughs) This is great. And all the people who are here. Yeah, exactly. They're like, Oh, that's so-and-so. And and that's so-and-so. I'm like, thank you. (laughs) That's, that's interesting to, I mean, I guess people do it with the Olympics, right? I've never really thought about how popular rowing must be mm-hmm. uh, outside of America because apparently I need to broaden my horizons. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the things that you got to do in particular with world rowing was you were at and, and you know, spoke at a lot of events. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Had, had you been, a, you know, someone who'd been publicly speaking previously and, did you find it um, challenging or, you know, did you learn a lot? I had varying experience with public speaking. So I did perform growing up. So theater um, was big for me. So being on the stage wasn't, um, it's never been a fear of mine. My mom is a singer. And so from the moment I popped out of her womb, she saying to me and then she put me on the stage as soon as she could. So being in front of people, I'd never had that fear before. Mm-hmm. Public speaking, um, as often as I did, I haven't done that. Um, I did train groups of people. They were smaller groups of people. This was very fun for me because I got to speak so much, probably like maybe well over 40 times. Wow. Um, to groups of people as small as 15 to groups of hundreds and hundreds of people at a time. And I loved that. I would speak by myself. I would speak with someone named Max and I would also speak with Meredith. So when I would go and speak with them, they're both amazing at that. And so I would really watch and see like, okay, how do they do this? How do they interact with the crowd? Um, what are things that they would say? How would they structure their speeches? And then I would try to model what I did after what they would do. So um, coming across as genuine is very important. And I really try with everyone that I interact, everyone that works for me, everyone that I speak to, I really genuinely um, want to you know, care for them. I want to um, be as, inc- as encouraging as I can be and be a help 
And so when I speak to groups of people, I try to think of it like that. So I'm not just talking to a wall. I'm talking to each individual person. Um, And then, so that's always important is coming across like, okay, I'm here. I actually care about you. I want (laughs) you to be involved. This is going to be awesome. And then throwing in like a really funny joke. Um, (laughs) They loved that. (laughs) The, The jokes. I had like a few jokes that, um, that people loved. And so I used the same ones like over and over and over again. But um, <laughs> Max was great to speak with. Meredith was great to speak with. Everyone yeah. loved Meredith because she's so charismatic. And- yeah, she's got, she's just a ball of energy. She is. Uh, she mm-hmm. now works with my organization. So it's fun to kind of see her mm-hmm. getting a hold of uh, everything there and, mm-hmm. and just like seeing her bounce around. Um, but yeah, I could see her being really good at pulling people in and, um, great. yeah. And mm-hmm. it's great that you've had those people that you can learn from and kind of model mm-hmm. after. Have you had to do, um, similar speaking in your role right now? Um, yes and no. So because I have that base from world rowing, mm-hmm. um, I have been able to go to the same groups. And so I say, hey, it's me again. I'm working on another event. Want to come? <laughs> yeah. And they go, yeah. So I've spoken to um, a handful of groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I've reached out to quite a few groups that I've used for world rowing. And then I've tried to drum up some new people as well. So I've done a lot of speaking at um, colleges and universities as well, sport management groups and that type of thing. Um, But since I work (gasps) with rowing, I haven't had to do as much speaking as I have in the past. Right. Because they all want to come work the All-Star game already. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not really a hard sell, I feel like. Mm -hmm. For world rowing, it was a hard sell uh, because... I go, oh, you know, the 2017 World Rowing Championships. They go, oh, the canoes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Canoes? I'm like, yeah, no, that's not it at all. And they go, wait, what's that? They don't know rowing like that. And so I had to really work on my salesmanship. Are, is, are there rowing teams at colleges and universities down here? Mm-hmm. There are? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, there know. are. Um, I know it's a big thing in New England. Like mm-hmm. that's a you know stupid Harvard. They have their team, and yeah. you know whatever. Yeah, um, I'm not bitter about Harvard at all. Never. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I say it as if I had a shot. Um, <laughs> but well, because there's the Charles River thing that mm-hmm. happened. The you know the mm-hmm. whatever on the Charles. The head of the Charles. Yeah, that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know things. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I you know so I. I'm completely out mm-hmm. of the world, apparently. Yeah, it's um, it's not the most popular sport in the U.S., <laughs> but Fair. it's gaining popularity, especially <gasps> in this part of the country, actually, because Sarasota has one of the biggest rowing clubs. Actually, it has the biggest rowing club in the country. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, two of the largest, but they have um, the largest one. And Nathan Benerson Park, is the only grade A certified venue in the country. So all the rowing teams, they come there to practice. They go to Nathan Benderson practice 
all the crews from around the world come. It was awesome to have the World Rowing Championship there because it got a lot of exposure and it's really sure. beautiful. It's perfect for a regatta. So interesting. Mm-hmm. It's gaining popularity. Very popular in the Northeast. Gaining popularity down here. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Things you don't ever think of. Right. You stint in product marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, you were an intern for the Adidas Group yes. in Germany. Yes, I was. How did that happen? That was so incredible. I loved that experience. I uh, was very, well, I still am. I'm very brand loyal. <laughs> so because, <laughs> because I was a soccer player, I pretty much wore Adidas from head to toe. Um, everything I owned was Adidas. So it was like a huge dream of mine. I remember you even my, say it correctly. Yeah, Adidas. Yeah, it's still Adidas to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't go over there and say it the wrong way. I could yeah. not. So I had to change it for myself. That's good though. But please go on. I'm done con- it's okay. interrupting you. <laughs> so I wrote down my first board management class. They had us write down uh, four career goals that we that we had and my number one career goal was to work for Adidas it was a huge dream of mine because I just loved them I loved their products and I was like oh I want to go work for them and work on their products I loved events I've never worked in product marketing at all so I applied uh, I wrote the best cover letter I've ever written in my life. <laughs> we all know how that goes. Cover letter writing. It's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> so I wrote a really good one, which I'm pretty sure that's what got me that job was my cover letter. But I interviewed really tough interviews. And then I ended up getting um, that position. So I flew to Germany right before the new year. And I uh, lived with have you ever heard of couch surfing? No. Well, okay. yes. <laughs> but n- yes, mm-hmm. I know people who crash on people's mm-hmm. couches from time to time. But mm-hmm. is there this, they're like a more, I don't know, formal thing? Yeah. So there's a website called Couch Surfing, and it is a website where you can reach out to fellow travelers and basically say, hey, I'm swinging through Spain. Can I sleep on your couch? And they'll say yay or nay to you. So I knew that existed. And I was trying to find a place to live. <laughs> I, I have the like most petrified look on my <laughs> yes, face right now. What? She's in shock, everyone. Um, yes. But you don't know these people. I, yes, I did not Good know. God, you are brave. I... I am a little bit brave. <laughs> Sometimes I'm brave. So I was looking for a place to live and I was like, man, how do I do this? Like, I don't speak German. I don't know like where I should be living. So I went on couch surfing and I just started going through people's profiles. Um, Adidas is in Herzogenaurach, Germany. It's a very small village in Bavaria. Okay. And, um, Adidas and Puma are right next to each other, like less than a mile, both world headquarters because they were started by brothers. So, but that's a fun fact. That's like, put that in your fun fact pocket, everyone. That's like the Twix commercial. <laughs> yeah, it is. I love Twix. So do I. One of my favorite. They're candies. delightful. Yeah. Okay, go on. So 
<laughs> I was like, okay, I got to live in Terzo. So I found this lady named Sylvia Schindler and I sent her a message and I was like, Sylvia, hi, my name's Morgan. This is what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going to live. Can I live with you? Oh my God. <laughs> and she says, yes. So she's married. She has a little son. He was three years old. His name is, <laughs> his name's Anthony. And she says, yes. Wow. And I was like, yes, this is going to be great. So I moved to Germany. They pick me up from the airport and I move in with this German family who <laughs> live in Herzegonarach. I mean, it's less scary than I anticipated because yes. at least it's like a little family, although families can be murderers too, but that's mm, not true. the point. Yeah, not the point. But, you know, I tried to no, do some great. investigating. Yeah. <laughs> so they picked me up and... <laughs> I will never forget those first few days. I did New Year's with them and yeah, their son knew he went to a bilingual uh, kindergarten and uh, he spoke English and German. And that guy (laughs) was teaching me fake German words on purpose. Yes. Stop it. He was. A three-year-old? Yes. Because they labeled everything in the house. Because they were trying to teach me German. I was like, yes. They labeled everything in the house. So I tried to talk to him. Because obviously my German was on his level. And (laughs) he starts pointing to things. And so I'm like hanging out with Anthony. And I'm learning things. And then his parents come back. And I'm like excited about this German that I've learned. So I was like, oh. And I was pointing to things. And they start laughing. And I was like, "What what are you laughing at? And... They start speaking to Anthony in German and he's laughing. <laughs> and they're like, he's not teaching you real words. I was like, what? And they're like, no, that word doesn't exist. I was like, oh, come on. Like the smartest <laughs> three-year-old yeah. in the world. Uh, little conniving, conniving. <laughs> it was so funny. So I was suspicious of anything he taught me after that (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) eventually i moved to nuremberg which i learned was the place where most people at adidas most of them live in nuremberg and that was a dream it was truly a dream because i lived in like the castle wall so right out my back window was this castle and it was amazing but anyways back to the job. So Adidas was amazing, incredible to work for, very diverse place to work. So people from all over the world, I made friends from everywhere. I learned a lot. And I remember my boss, uh, he would, there'd be like a rack of samples and then he would make me feel each one and then Mm -hmm. basically his goal was to get it so that I could feel something I would know exactly what it was made of what the weight was and all of the above all the details I needed to know and that was so fascinating I learned so much about product because basically what we did was uh, for example if it was for the U.S. I was a product marketer for the U.K. and the Nordics but in the U.S. It would be like Dick's Sporting Goods. Mm -hmm. Dick's Sporting Goods would reach out to me and say hey Morgan um, you only have this shirt in red and green in your universal line, but no one in this town wears red and green. 
And we actually have this product in brown and gray. And then I would say yes or no based on the rules of the season and the rules of each fabric. And then we would make it for them. And so we would specialize products based on the country. So in the UK and Nordics, we had a counterpart that worked on Spain and France and Portugal. So everything they did was orange and bright green and yellow. And then everything we did was heather gray, uh, maroon, <laughs> and like a deep blue. Yeah. And that's pretty much what we did. And oh, it was so UK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you have to match the sky. Yes. When it's gray all year round. Yep. Mm-hmm. I am full of jokes today, guys. Jerry is just cracking up while he's recording. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was the goat yoga I went to or or uh, what, yeah. but <laughs> I learned a lot there um, working at Adidas. It was definitely a different culture. Um, huge difference in working cultures. I had two German bosses, which was not that common there because it was so international, but both of my bosses were German. So I took on a very German style of working, which was a uh, change for me, but a good one. It taught me a lot. Taught me a lot. What does that mean? A German style of working? Um, they, in the U.S., we work a lot and we also socialize a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, so I came in, I'm like hopping and bopping around <laughs> and, you know, like, Hey, Sharon, how's it going, Jim? You know, because I love talking to people. And I took my work very seriously. And I remember my first performance review, my boss goes, I don't think you take this seriously. I was like, oh, I was so oh, no. shocked. Yeah. And I was like, no, what? And I, because I, I want to be the best I possibly can be. And I was so sad about that. And so I asked him, I was like, why don't, you think I take this seriously? And he's like, well, you know, you come in, you're talking to people, you're smiling, you're laughing, like all this stuff. And he's like, you come in, you need to do your work. You need to, you know, buckle down, head down, do everything as excellently as you can. And it's just like a different work environment. Sure. Where I think that's more acceptable here. Like we all do, 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 talk and we joke and we do our work. And there it's like, get to work. You're going to do your work. And then once you're done, you can do whatever you feel like doing. But that was a change for me. Mm. Um, just a different working environment, I would say. I'm not entirely surprised by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they can't even speak without it sounding harsh. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm just saying. So, mm-hmm. but I can see how it would be hard, especially, you know, at your the age you were yes, at. You were very young. I was... I was 20. Yeah. Yeah. I was very young. Just for context, everyone, I have always been the youngest. So I graduated high school at 17. I graduated college early. And so that's why I was so young. What do you mean you graduated college early? I graduated in three and a half years instead of four. What is it with my guests? (laughs) So I can't remember who it was. Off the top of my head, so please don't be mad at me, but I had someone who finished, yeah, kind of like you, mm-hmm. 
their undergrad and grad in five years. Yeah. Five years is mm-hmm. what it took me to get through undergrad. Mm-hmm. That's all right. We're all going at different paces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's all right. Yeah, so I was young. I, I was young and I was, I mean, I'm still learning. I always try to learn as much as I can. We're always growing, but especially then I'm brand new. I'm green. And so I was trying to adjust and learn how different people work and um, learn how to do different things. And I'd never done anything with product before. So that was another challenge for me, but I loved it. and I learned a lot. And so was it meant to just be the year that you were Mm -hmm. there? Yep. And I was pursuing staying there, but then Liberty offered me that job with them. And so I got my master's for free while I was working in athletics and I could not turn that down. No, that's fantastic. I mean, you can't. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, do you, are there things that you s- took from that experience in Germany and still applied today? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, when I go into different workplaces and different situations, I try to figure out who I'm working with. And by by that, I mean, like, what type of person is this? How do they work? Are they a checklist person? Do they come in? Do they put their head down? Do they do checklist things? Do they like to socialize at first? Like, I think that's very important in any job situation is just figuring out what is the culture of this place? What's the culture of the place? What are the cultures of the people working there? Um, are they from different countries? Do they do things differently? Um, what, how do I fit into this equation and make this the best I possibly can make? it? Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, I, I am who I am and, um, you know, I try to be the best I can be all the time, but I also want to respect others and respect how they work and how they work best. So that's something that I always take away is, you know, where am I? What's going on here? What's the culture and how can we make this a great situation? And if I'm working with international people, I, I don't know if anyone else likes to do this, but I thoroughly research everything. <laughs> like when I, there's something new, I'm like, Ooh, let me just learn like everything about it. And yeah. then I'll just spend like forever online. And that's the way I am with, people from different cultures too. So when I learned, oh, so-and-so is coming from this country, I'm like, oh, well, how do they do it there? Or, you know, (laughs) yada, yada, yada. And so I try my best to do that, to learn as much as I can and figure out how we can make it work the best that we can. Yeah, that's, I mean, impressive because I know a lot of people just kind of go about their own way without worrying about, like, it's kind of like, well, I'm the boss of them. They have to adjust to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and not really Mm -hmm. thinking that way. I know my, my boss is very similar to you Mm -hmm. in that he's very well aware of people's, the the disc profiles of people, Mm -hmm. um, which I still don't understand, but it's fine. I totally, Mm -hmm. it's fine. I will one of these days learn, but, (laughs) um, so I I mean, that makes a great, manager in my opinion um but how do you take on a leadership role with how young you are i mean i'm i'm imagining you're working with a lot of people who Mm -hmm. are 
the same age or maybe even older than you mm-hmm. in these roles. That is and has been challenging, to be honest, because number one, I look young. I know you guys can't see me. You can hear me, but I look young. She I does. have a young face. So people, when they see me, they go, oh, she's got to be like 21, something like that. And I'm not. So um, I try to go into situations uh, with respect and kindness for anyone that I am working with, anyone that's working with me or under me. That is what I try to do because I have had a lot of people that are much older than me working for me. And I think what's important is treating them as a person, not as like a little pawn that you're moving around, but Mm -hmm. learning about them. Okay, this is Janet and she's, you know, she loves this and she loves this and this is what you're good at, good at. Because I, you know, I have knowledge in an area, but I think that in order to better yourself, you surround yourself with people that are incredible in so many different ways and better than you in so many different ways. And so if Janet has, you know, 15 years of experience in this, then great, Janet, I'm going to use you there. Janet has five cats. Janet, Janet does. <laughs> Janet has five cats. Um, and so <laughs> making them feel important and cared for and not that I am their ruler and they must do what I'm saying sure. they must do. Um, because I am young, so I need them to know, like, you know what? I respect where you've come from. I respect all the knowledge that you have and all the experience that you've gained in your fields. And now I'm going to put what you know to work. So if so-and-so has had X number of years in volunteer management, which I had some ladies that had had years of volunteer manager experience, much more experience than me. And I went, okay. I can learn so much from them and then I can put them in my volunteer headquarters. They're going to be great. Mm -hmm. But I think it's about mutual respect and, um, and, you know, just working with them and working with their strengths. And it's sometimes it's challenging uh, because I feel like sometimes I have to prove myself to people because they look at me and they go, Oh, she's, she can't have that much experience. She can't have that much knowledge. I hate saying that, but that's Fair. the truth. Well, and being female as well, yes. I, I'm mm-hmm. sure, can make some biases come out. Yeah, of course. And so, you know, authority has been challenged a handful of times. And that's where you just have to respectfully, uh, put your foot down in a kind but firm way and say, you know what? This is what we're doing. I love that you're here, but let's make sure we're working as a team. We're doing everything we can to make this great. And it's, you know, that's part of it. Sure. That's part of it. There are just so many personalities, so many different people, so many different ages that a lot of it's awesome. And sometimes it's challenging. Yeah. Do you, um, Do you have people that you look to when it gets challenging to kind of talk through how to handle it or um, just to kind of vent to and and get advice? Yes, I do. Um, 
So I have a few people. Number one, my boss from Liberty University, Matt Staten, incredible leader. Mm -hmm. I was very fortunate to have worked under him um, because I learned so much from him and I really uh, respect him and how he led me and how he led other people. Uh, He was a great example. So I have gone to him multiple times about different situations. How do I handle this? Venting about different things. Um, I also have some professors at Liberty that I have gone to uh, that some female professors. So when sometimes I feel some pressure and some challenge, I will go to them and say, hey, how do you handle this? Like as a female, how do you, how do you handle this with a male? Right. Um, How do you handle this with an older male? And they have given me some good advice. Um, Sarah Baruda, she's the uh, director of basketball operations for uh, the women's basketball team at Liberty. One of my best friends in the world, one of the hardest workers I know incredible uh person and i go to her a lot and we talk about different things um her challenges everything that she's going through everything that i'm going through and then we just kind of talk through what's the best way we can do this you know i vent and then we go okay how am i going to be a good leader in this situation how can i best um handle this and then we move forward i don't want to act um in any sort of brash way. Mm -hmm. I like to think before I do things. So, um, and and I really want to be the best. I I want to be the best leader I can be and follow in the footsteps of so many incredible people um, that have taught me. So I I go to them for advice and um, they they give me great advice and help me kind of work through how to handle different situations. Yeah. Do you use or do you read any books or do anything else to kind of increase your knowledge on management or leadership? Mm-hmm. Um, I read a lot of Brene Brown books. Yes. Brene Brown. I saw her TED talk on uh, shame. Have you seen that one? Oh, 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 trust me. I'm yeah. well versed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Renee's going to become a friend of mine. She doesn't quite know it yet, but oh, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think she's wonderful. And so I think that really good leadership stems from working on yourself first mm-hmm. and uh, really trying to improve like who I am and how I handle people and how I handle different situations. And so I, lot of, I read a lot of Renee Brown books. I also read a lot of leadership books. Actually, this is this might be kind of lame, but <laughs> some of the college textbooks that I had, I still keep okay. because they're some of the best management textbooks um, <laughs> I've ever had. So, like, I still have my college textbooks on my bookshelf and I read those. Um, I read a lot of LinkedIn articles. I'm on LinkedIn more more than I am Facebook. Uh, sure. <laughs> so I follow a lot of people there. but. Um, really well Mm -hmm. I think that's invaluable information so anytime I can understand body language I can understand people's personalities and their tendencies I read books about that um to try to 
increase my understanding of people and how they work and how I can best interact with them. That's phenomenal. Um, yeah, I'm, I love Brene. Um, and I'm finishing one of her books now. Um, but that shame talk was unbelievable Mm -hmm. and right around the same time that I found that um and I've I've talked on here before about how um I have depression anxiety and Mm -hmm. I found an amazing therapist down here who Mm -hmm. like pinpointed within 30 minutes of our first session Mm -hmm. that I was dealing with a lot of shame and Mm -hmm. nobody had ever Mm -hmm. pinpointed that. Mm -hmm. And I never understood the difference between that and guilt Mm -hmm. because I always thought that I just felt really guilty about things. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those, I don't know, life changing moments Mm -hmm. where you're like, huh, so that's what that is. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, let's do something about that then. Mm -hmm. Like, and like, and it felt like, okay, so it's something I, there's something I can do about it almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I suggest her books to everybody. Um, they're just so good. And all of her talks are really good. And um, one of these days I will go to one or see her or meet her, or become friends with her. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to maybe, you know, meet her at the women's March because, you know, there weren't going to be that many people there. <laughs> no, 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 no. That didn't really work out. Um, but it's okay. That's totally fine. You get Brene on the podcast. Oh, yes. Yes. Dreams, my friend. Dreams. That's the goal. She would be an, she would be an interesting one, I think. Um, I, I want to talk about NHL All-Star Weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, so where are you at with the process? It's the end of this month, correct? Yes, it is. For people listening, the last weekend in January, in Tampa is this thing (coughs) called Gasparilla where people dress up as pirates Mm. and pretend (laughs) to take the mayor rant. Like there's a meeting with the mayor and then they say they're going to attack the city. If the mayor doesn't give them the key or something, it's Mm. this whole, like there are ships there are boats that people own just for the purpose of quote unquote attacking the city while mm-hmm. dressed as pirates. Mm-hmm. And then people, a lot of people get dressed up as pirates and hang out and drink <laughs> along this parade route. And it is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my life. It's insanity. It's hilarious, mm-hmm. but it is so weird. And I mean, they, it's a, oh, it's a thing. Like it, I still can't wrap my head around it. I've gone once. Um, I'm good now. Um, did it once? Yeah. It's just, it's too many people in such a small, Mm. like there's just too much of a crowd for me, Mm -hmm. um, to like be stuck in the crowd. Mm -hmm. I'm good with crowds if I can like not be part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but so it's, that weekend that NHL All-Star mm-hmm. weekend also it is. It is. <laughs> it's the most insane weekend all year. It will be an adventure. It <laughs> Gasparil is not a small event. It's not no. like a small little parade with a few thousand people. So that is going to be a challenge in itself is the transportation 
aspect of it uh, because there will be so many roads that will be closed. There will be so many people downtown and that's right around Emily arena. Right. <laughs> and then all of the all-star weekend events are in varying places around Emily. And so it's going to be uh, quite the weekend. And we are trying our best to uh, provide as much information for people as possible that are coming just for all-star weekend. So it kind of makes their experience smooth and not um, so difficult from Gasparilla. Yeah. So anyone that's within walking distance of Emily, congratulations. That's the best thing you could have possibly done is get a hotel in downtown and just walk. But um, it's going to be a fantastic weekend. So basically for Gasparilla, excuse me, not Gasparilla, for All-Star Weekend, <laughs> I had Gasparilla on my brain. Um, for All-Star Weekend, we are starting our All-Star activities on, for me, it starts on Wednesday. Well, technically the Saturday before. Because the Saturday <clears throat> before All-Star Weekend, we're setting up everything in the convention center. We have a bunch of spaces there for like remote offices and different activities that we have going on in the convention center. So I start setting that stuff up. People from the NHL get there. And then, you know, some things that are happening that week. And then we have all of our part-time staff that will be starting on Wednesday. So we are responsible for um, getting 450 part-time staff for all of the events surrounding All-Star Weekend. And so myself and my partner, Rick, we have gone out and spoken to different groups. I've um, contacted all of my best people from world rowing to get them <laughs> up here. And, um, we have said, Hey, come work all-star weekend. And we are getting them trained. We get them uniforms and then we have them assigned based on their, uh, skills and experience to different events in different areas. So right now, our role is basically to be like a liaison between the NHL that's in New York City and Amelie Arena slash Lightning staff. So we're here as a resource for both parties. NHL needs us to do something, we do it. Amelie Arena needs something, needs us to do something, we do it. And so we're kind of connecting the dots for both parties. And we are the boots on the ground for uh, the little army that we're putting together to make all the events <laughs> happen. How far along are you with building that army? We are very close. We need about 50 more people. And I actually have all of those people um, pretty much set. It's just getting them in the system now. That's great. So, yeah, we, we've been cooking with gas. So uh, from the beginning, Rick and I just hit the ground running and contacted a lot of people, talked to a lot of people. And, a lot of people are interested. This is an easier sell than, yeah. than world rowing, um, especially for hockey fans and people in this area and sport management students. I really try whenever I have an event to get sport management students involved. So actually, a group of sport management students from Liberty are coming down to work oh, cool. all weekend. Yes. So we got our um, one of the professors there to bring probably 
20 down. And so they're going to come for about a week and nice. work for us. Same with USF and uh, UF, UCF, Southeastern, um, Florida College, all, all of the universities and colleges around here, they're sending people to work. So um, hockey players as well. Anyone that plays hockey, they're excited to oh, yeah. be involved and <laughs> like, but can we play? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you can't. Um, no, sorry. Yes. Yeah, sorry. So we're putting the finishing touches on that right now. And we are just so excited to have everybody here. I love it when event time comes around and we train everybody and everybody gets to go and do what they need to do. And Event time is one of the most fun, fun times. How do you, um, how do you plan the training? I mean, you don't have these people as your, as a regular employee, mm-hmm. right? They don't have a, you know, day one orientation set date. You know, they've got other things going on in their life mm-hmm. and everything. How do you organize trainings? Uh, so in general, I'll talk about world rowing and I'll talk about NHL all star. Mm-hmm. Um, for, well, let me go back because there are kind of three different scenarios. For Liberty, it was pretty easy because I had a handful of like 60 people that worked everything. So we had a set training date. Everyone was there. We all got trained on everything and it was easy. For World Rowing, you have almost 2,000 people. Right. And they're coming from around the world. So we had to kind of figure out how is this going to work? Uh, the best. And so we decided we would do an online training. So I created an online training um, and we put everything in our live training and the online training. And then we created like a little quiz. Uh, it would track who did the training. Sure. So uh, it required their email and I was able to go in and see, okay, Janet with the five cats, she did <laughs> the training um, so that she was knowledgeable about what she was doing. And right. so people learn in different ways. So we tried to do, you know, during the live training, okay, you're hearing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also seeing it. And then when they got on site and in, in some cases you're doing it yourself. So gotcha. however, and then we also would have takeaway sheets, so little PDFs and word documents that we could print out and say, okay, read this and you'll be okay. So for world rowing, we had, three different live trainings. We did a main training session and then we did breakout groups. So each breakout group would be like, okay, ticketing, you're over here. And they'd talk about the ticketing roles and, you know, volunteer ops, you're over here and talk about that. In this case, uh, the training date is mandatory. Gotcha. So um, at Liberty and with World Rowing, you can kind of budget a little bit because you could always come back or you can do the online training here. You have to be there because there's only one shot. It's that Wednesday. Right. You're there or you're not working the all-star weekend because that's when you get your credentials. That's when you get your uniform. That's when you meet your team leads and you get all the information that you possibly could need. Very important information. So it's different this time around. And, um, you got one shot. You're good. You have to be there. Sure. So we, it's a training based on, you know, your practical things like your check-in, check-out process, mm-hmm. as well as, okay, this is your job. 
this is what you're going to be doing. And this is how we interact with people. So, (laughs) hey, Morgan, do you know where the bathroom is? No, I don't. Like, that's not good. You say, oh, you know what? I'm not sure, but let me find out for you. Let's go over here and we'll talk to Tom. And Tom, you know where the restroom is? Oh, yes, I do, Morgan. Let's take so-and-so there and then take them there. And it's just that type of customer service training that's important. How do you handle conflict with people? How do you handle an angry person? What do you do when a fight breaks out? What do you do when there's an emergency situation? All of those things are very important and they are all part of training. What do you do when someone bangs too hard on the glass and causes it to fall? Oh my goodness. I'm just kidding. That's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope not. You know, I... <laughs> I was very fortunate um, to be able to go to a playoff uh, lightning game Mm -hmm. uh, two years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, I wear a very big, I'm not wearing it right now, but a a big watch, a Mm -hmm. big Michael Kors watch. And I ended up joining in the fun of banging on the glass because, yes, that's what you're supposed to do. It's what you're supposed to do, Jerry. Don't look at me like that. And I'm telling you, I've heard it from hockey professionals that it's a sign of respect. And anywho, um, I had a bruise on my wrist because the watch kept (laughs) hitting my my. wrist so hard. You were really into that. Let me just tell you. Brian Boyle was playing. Yeah, I was really intense. (laughs) At least you didn't break your watch. I was afraid you were going to say, I now broke my Michael Oh my God, no. No, that would have made me really sad. Yeah. Really sad. Just a bruise. Yeah. Um, just a bruise, but it was a really awkward <laughs> bruise to explain to people. Um, yeah. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to make light. I mean, that I'm right, very thankful that people would check in mm-hmm. on me. But, oh no, I just went crazy to hockey game. Um, so what are the different events that are going to be going on around the game? We have... Uh, a concert we have a party oh, yeah who's at the concert um i don't even know that. they haven't announced it yet i i don't know they haven't told me really? gbd on our on our list stop it mm-hmm. i wonder who they would get so okay. i think last year they had snoop dog jerry's googling it was snoop dog snoop last year and i think blink 182 for an nhl game mm-hmm. Wow. Right. Get Snoop back, but I just want to go Snoop. I just want credentials to go hang out. Um, <laughs> so there's the concert, concert pregame, which will be lots of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be right right outside of Amelie Arena, kind of in next Thunder to Alley, floor, next to it, mm-hmm. in that parking lot next to it. Okay. Um, so that's going to be quite the event. Usually, you have to pay for that, but they aren't doing that this year. Interesting. Um, yeah, because of gas grill and everything, so it's going to be free. Um, there are a number of like private events for staff and like VIPs that are happening. Um, that I don't think I could say much about, but uh, there's also player arrivals and hotel transportation and all that type of thing. So. Yeah. Your typical, you know, 
event time things that are happening as well as there are events around Tampa that are promoting hockey in general. The lightning is also, they're doing, I don't remember which beach they're going to, but they're doing like a little hockey promotion at a beach um, in Tampa. That's awesome. Yes. So there's going to be a lot of really cool things happening. They're doing some things with Gasparilla. Um, so because they're on the same weekend, we tried to interact with them sure. in a positive way. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of fun. Is the game sold out? Uh, yes. It's when they released the tickets last time, they had a very small handful left. So it will be sold out. And they sold them as the skills competition and the all-star game together as a package. So right. it wasn't like one or the other. It was both. Oh, cool. Um, <clears throat> what do you do by way of self-care? Mm-hmm. Um, particularly when you've got three weeks mm-hmm. till a big event and things are super hectic. So for self-care, I, so I spend a lot of time at church. I love church. That's a great place for me. I grew up in the church. And so, um, praying and really going, okay, God, you know, here we go. I'm giving this time to you. I spend a lot of time with my friends, um, being with my close friends that know me very well, um, is relaxing for me. I, uh, paint. I love painting. You do? I'm not very good. What do you paint? Uh, acrylics. So acrylic on canvas. Okay. And I like to paint people. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I'm not very good guys, but it's very relaxing to me. Yeah. That's all that matters. Also charcoal. Oh my goodness. Have you ever Hmm. used charcoal? No, I'm not really what you would call artsy. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. I kind of go the opposite way, like sports and then to relax. It's like music and art. I kind of have to go away from that Mm -hmm. to relax. And I just need some, I love people and I'm an extrovert, but I also need my time to just chill and relax. So my friends, music and art is what I usually do to relax, but I love, you know, being active as well playing sports with my friends yeah. and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the art thing for me, uh, it just never worked. I am mm-hmm. really bad at it. Mm-hmm. And part of it is uh, my quasi-perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I want to do it perfectly mm-hmm. or else it's a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. And the only other crafty type thing I mm-hmm. tried I was in college and decided I needed a hobby because mm-hmm. I don't know, don't you need a hobby in mm-hmm. life? I don't know. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to teach myself how to crochet. Mm-hmm. And I have a very mm-hmm. specific memory of being in the town home that mm-hmm. me and my best friend lived in. She's still one of my very close friends mm-hmm. and me sitting on our couch. We're probably watching general hospital. I'm not probably. even going to lie. Mm-hmm. And trying to learn, yeah, General Hospital. And now I'm friends with people on the show. It's very odd. Um, very odd. So we're, I'm trying to figure it out. And I am getting so frustrated, mm-hmm. like cannot figure it out. And she's like, oh, let me try. Sits down next to me, takes it. And immediately, mm-hmm. 
I burst out in tears. Mm -hmm. It was like one of those meltdowns that you're like, whoa, I don't know where that came from. Mm -hmm. Because I just wanted something for me that I could figure out how to do and make something. I don't know. I had like all these crazy expectations Mm -hmm. on myself. And my poor friend, Kristen, was like, Oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I I didn't, I I literally don't know what just happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So to this day, I haven't even attempted it again. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, that was the last time I attempted to be super crafty. Mm -hmm. Although every once in a while, I'll I'll attempt something little, but it never, it never really goes well. And I'm Mm -hmm. okay with it. Like I just, at this point, I know it's not my jam. Yeah. I'm okay. That's part of the working on myself portion is I also like things to be perfect. And so that's something I really worked on because with art, I was like, I got got to be the best. You know what I mean? And which is why I love CrossFit because it's like a mixture of a team sport and also you're kind of competing at at the same time. But anyway, so with art at first, I was like, oh, I want to get better. I want to get better. And I was like, just relax, Morgan. Like, it's okay. You're yeah. not the best at this. And that's okay. You right. enjoy it. It's very therapeutic. So just do it. And yeah. just call it abstract art. And it makes it okay. Well, I mean, and you're not, you know, I think once you like kind of take that expectation down mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, this is something I can do because my arm works and my hand works. And mm-hmm. like, I can put paint on a canvas, you know, uh, and you're not planning on making it a living. Like I, I mm-hmm. think it, you can kind of talk yourself down a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have the same problem with like writing, which is kind of funny because that's like what I do. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and even with contracts, like if I don't have a, not a template, like I can draft the language, but for some reason I mm-hmm. get caught up on formatting Mm -hmm. and I want to know what this typically looks like and then Microsoft Word and formatting it basically just tells you to go fuck yourself all the time right so I you know that I can spend three hours trying to format a document and then I just give up and you know even just like journaling I was always like how am I supposed to journal what am I supposed to talk about like maybe you just need to Relax. Just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I am one of my, one of the things I'm, I'm trying to do this year is more headspace. So Mm -hmm. I think I've done five of the last seven days. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Going strong. Yeah. I'm going to be calm as shit soon. That's right. (laughs) Jerry's going to have to make this next, an expletive episode <laughs> sorry guys i told you at the beginning that it might happen and here just, we are it just took a few yes. episodes um so all-star weekend comes mm-hmm. and goes mm-hmm. do you have like a debriefing that you've got to do like a few days to kind of wind everything down or are you like i'm out so typically that would be the case um I have one day. <laughs> I have one day to wind things down. That's because I uh, got a contract worth the Super Bowl. So immediately 
the day after All-Star Weekend is done, I have one day to wrap everything up. And then the next morning I'm on a on a plane to Minnesota. So most of the time for an event, I would have a week to wrap things up. Um, For the World Rowing Championships, it was a month um, because it was so large. That event was so large. This one will be a little easier to wrap up. Uh, But in this case, one day and then I'm out of there. So, and then off to Super Bowl. And then off to Super Bowl. And are you doing the same thing? I am doing basically the same thing there. So, but instead of me being there um, way ahead of time and getting all the staff, they already have the staff. So, myself and my boss, Pam, we will go and train the wayfinding staff. Mm -hmm. um, And we will supervise all the wayfinding staff in the actual stadium and then around the stadium and at the other uh, events in the downtown area. Very cool. Yes. I'm jealous. I mean, I'm, I am and I'm not because let's be honest, Minnesota in February oh, doesn't goodness. sound interesting to me whatsoever. Um, but I Super Bowl yeah. and Justin Timberlake. Oh my goodness. Are you going to be able to see it? I really hope so. I'm not sure because I'll have people all over the place. So I will be doing quite a bit of walking. Um, At that point in time, I should be able to go into the stadium because the other things will not be happening. Right. And then I'll go in and then be with the staff in the stadium. So I think I should be there, but we all know how events go. You just never know. Right. Um, I did not throw away any of my winter clothes from Germany. And I was really justifying that like for years. I was like, yeah, no, I need to keep these for some reason. And I was like, yes, I still have all of them. So I brought them out of the box the other day. I was like, this is my winter jacket. I got my boots on. I mean, you needed it this week in Tampa. It was 30 (laughs) freaking degrees out. Oh, my goodness. I saw my breath. It's the first time I've been able to see my breath in Florida since I've been here. I have hated it Mm -hmm. every single second of it. Because I didn't come down here to be living in Massachusetts weather. Mm-hmm. Granted, we didn't get snow in Tampa, but Tallahassee, it's way too close for comfort. I heard. I heard there were a lot of people like, it's snowing in Florida. I was like, where? No, <laughs> yeah. this is nonsense. <laughs> where? I'm going to have to move to Costa Rica next because I, I mean. We can't have this. No. Mm-hmm. No, I left in the middle of snowpocalypse. So mm-hmm. there was five feet of snow on oh the ground my. when I left Massachusetts and they got another five feet of snow, mm-hmm. you know, when I moved. So I have had and I grew up there. So I've had more snow in my life than I need to ever right. again. Mm-hmm. And I didn't keep any of my winter clothes. Oh, no, mostly because I mean, the, the delight in throwing away your snow boots. It's like the best feeling when you've been stuck in a blizzard, mm-hmm. like for the last for the week or two before moving. So yeah, um, that hasn't really helped me much this week. I'm not going to lie. I'm just trying to brace myself for it because this week I was so cold and I was like, oh my God, it's going to be so cold in Minnesota. Like zero to 12 degrees. You're going to have to have all those little like hand warmer things. Yes. Mm -hmm. And hunters use. I told you I like to research. And so I... So I was like researching the best socks and then I put myself in like this dilemma because I there's like this debate online whether thick socks are the best or whether thin socks are the best. And they're like, no, thick socks because it keeps your feet warm. And then other people are like, no, 
ice skis and snowboard all the time. And if you wear thick socks, it holds in the sweat and makes your feet cold. Wear thin socks. So then I got in this big thing in my head and I was like, which socks do I wear? I say you wear the air, like the sweat wicking yes. socks mm-hmm. and then the thick socks. That's what I was thinking. I was like, maybe there's a like I, there's got to be performance socks for the cold. I don't know. I feel like somebody who lives in Minnesota would be able to tell you, yeah. though. Hey, let me know. You're from Minnesota. and Anybody? Any advice for me? I can, I can get Ann Deppner at, at the uh, Vikings to tell me. Oh, yes. <laughs> She's great. Um, well, um, once the Super Bowl is over, mm-hmm. what's the next step? We will see. What do you want to do? What are you looking towards? So I want to work in event management. Um, I love it. It's what I'm good at. Pretty much what I've done is like a combination of event management, guest services, and staffing. Like that's pretty much summing up what my experience is in my career. Um, and so if I can stay in one of those areas, that's what I want to do. Um, I love events. I love working with people. I want to stay in sports because that's my passion. Mm -hmm. Love working in sports. I love the community. Um, it's a small world. Yeah. And it's a good world. So that's my goal is to stick with it and um just keep keep working as far as I can, keep learning. Great. Um, well, I'm gonna say thank you. Next week, so we're recording this a week before Morgan and I are gonna go to goat yoga. And and her episode will be released a few days after that. So I'm going to include some of the pictures from Coat Yoga on it. It's going to be great. I know. Uh, Well, I can't wait. And every. uh, Yeah. So um, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And uh, oh, yeah. Is there anything? Where can people follow you and follow along? You can follow my Instagram. MN Skillman. That is my first initial, middle name initial, and my last name. You can find me on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. What's your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is... It's mskillman13. Yes. <laughs> I am not the biggest Twitter person. I've around. noticed, but it's okay. Yeah. But I am more active on Instagram and LinkedIn than I am on Twitter. Yeah. So find me on one of those and we can interact and have lots of fun. As always, thank you for listening to LTPF. Uh, Please follow along on all of our social. So we are at LTPF pod on Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitterverse. Uh, Instagram, I'm getting used to Instagram stories. So there's a little little highlights in there for y'all. You can email us at LTPFpod at gmail.com and check out the website at ltpfpod.com it is up to date and you all would be so proud of me it looks all nice and pretty you can follow me at bobby sue on twitter and as always i hope you have a great week 
Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. If you're a serious athlete, a weekend warrior, parent, or coach, join us each week as we investigate the latest trends and research coming out of the sport performance world. We'll visit with top athletes, coaches, and sports scientists to keep you on the cutting edge and to find out what it truly takes to achieve human maximum performance. You can visit us online at CrushPerformance.com and Crush Performance Radio with me, Jeff Kershell, can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and at Radio Influence.